Hello and welcome to Sticky from the Inside, the employee engagement podcast that looks at how to build stickier, competition-smashing, consistently successful organisations from the inside out. I'm your host, Andy Gorham, and I'm on a mission to help more businesses turn the lights on behind the eyes of their employees, light the fires within them, and create tons more success for everyone. This podcast is for all those who believe that's something worth going after and would like a little help and guidance in achieving that. Each episode, we dive into the topics that can help create what I call stickier businesses, the sort of businesses where people thrive and love to work and where more customers stay with you and recommend you to others because they love what you do and why you do it. So if you want to take the tricky out of being sticky, listen on. Okay, I want to start with getting something off my chest. I recently ran an engagement workshop with a bunch of young and broadly inexperienced managers. The day seemed to go really well, with the vast majority of the group involved and highly participative, you could say engaged. But as I was clearing up after they'd left and was picking up the unused post-it notes, one made me stop in my tracks. On it, They'd drawn the outline of the Lencioni Five Dysfunctions of a Team Pyramid and written across it, happy, clappy, but you can complete the final word. In an instant, I went through the whole spectrum of emotions, disbelief, confusion, anger, concern. But at the back of it, I was deeply saddened that someone so young already had the same misguided view that all this engagement stuff is just happy, clappy, soft, unnecessary nonsense. When actually, it's the first key to unlocking sustainably great performance, flawless execution of your strategy and repeatedly brilliant results. It perhaps even more important today, looking at how many people are working in a more distributed working landscape as well. Now, I know out of 30 people in the room, I'm dwelling on the thoughts of one individual. That's my own personality issue to deal with. But that's a pretty good hit rate, right? But I can't help myself and wonder why, why with all the evidence to the contrary, is it that some still hold this negative view of engagement? What are they scared of? What do they need to change their perspective on it? How can they use it to take advantage of the current landscape that we're in and create places where people really are able to thrive and are willingly more productive and can repeatably execute their strategies and plans to great effect? Well, my guest today is Roly Walter. Roly's the founder of Appraised, a business that is helping business leaders to create just such cultures where people are set up to be at their best, are aligned, are growing, and where these organizations can successfully execute their strategies now and into the future. So we're going to pick his brains today to see exactly how you can do that in your business and with your team too. Welcome to the show, Roly. Thank you very much indeed, Andy. I'm delighted to be here. And uh, yeah, thanks for a lovely introduction. Well, it's great to have you here, my friend. Uh, anybody that wants to talk about melding strategy delivery and engagement is high on my list of people to speak to, <laughs> for sure. I, I, I want to try and get this message across that you know, the, the two come hand in hand, right? And engagement yeah. isn't some fluffy add-on. To, nice to make things nice. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's a major contributing factor to delivery and performance. And that's what we're all about, right? So listen, it would be great 
if you could just spend a couple of minutes just telling us a bit more about you and about Appraised and what you're currently focusing on, Roly. Okay. Uh, yeah, well, I'm the founder of Appraised, and I set Appraised up about 10 years ago in, the, in response to this situation I discovered, which was that a lot of people were kind of disenfranchised with the old school appraisals and uh, employees were not getting much kind of benefit from it. Managers were finding a massive bottleneck at the end of the year. And it was something that had been set up with good intentions, but perhaps had lost its way a little bit as HR in some cases, again, well-intentioned, tried to use this opportunity to gather data about people, um, ratings and things like that, uh, that would then be kind of processed and used in some way. And the kind of feeling I came to was that value had been taken away a little bit from the employees themselves. And this was inappropriate in these new times, relatively new times, of a much more equitable balance between employer and employee, where there was a huge war on talent, war for talent, and a massively knowledge-based economy. It just doesn't make sense to not give employees the value of these discussions that they need. Anyway, so we set up a praise to try and address this balance and to create something that was kind of unapologetically uh, almost like a consumer product that employees and managers would find genuinely useful, you know, much like at the same time, think they were finding things like, I don't know, Facebook or Uber really useful. Uh, so that was the idea. And we've been growing uh, ever since, and it's been an exciting journey. And so, um, yeah, like you said in your introduction, Appraised is, it, it, we set out to solve the problem of annoying and poor appraisals, and we've ended up creating a complete performance management system that is resolutely focused on delivering the strategy of a business and helping people to do that and everything that kind of feeds into that. So yeah, it's getting people to perform at their best. So managers and employees having the right discussions to get the best from each other, being aligned to the company goals. So not only are people performing really well, but they're also doing the right things and feel like they've got a sense of purpose and also progression. So they're not just executing well today, but also can continue to do so sustainably as people move on and up through the organization and new people join and so on. That's what we're all about. I think that's a great context for this conversation about linking engagement and strategy delivery. One of the enabling factors behind engagement is that employee voice and having that sort of two-way conversation, meaningful conversation. So I, I think that's, again, another added value piece. And I think it's fascinating talking to people over the last year or so. When you used to talk about performance management, it was that kind of, I guess, more stick than carrot. It always came with a kind of sharp intake of breath and a nasty taste in your mouth about performance yeah. management. You know, some sort of nine box grid that people fell into and were then exited mm. out of the business or given some training course or something. Whereas now there's a far more kind of open, almost performance liberation kind of feel to things like how do we get the best out of people rather than manage so one feels quite constricted and one feels yeah. quite liberating right so I, I think that's a really interesting backdrop for this conversation today so if you come back to sort of first principles and looking at what you're doing and what you're seeing when you're with clients this connection between 
engagement and then great strategy execution. What what do you see, Roly? What is it that you're trying to help businesses get to grips with? Well, I think it's it's a really interesting question, and it's always good to go back to first principles. I think if you try and separate them out, engagement and execution. So, if you having let's imagine you somehow get engagement without execution, what you're looking there at there, I think, is misalignment. So it's people happily, productively, perhaps doing things that are not actually executing the company's strategy. But then if, if you look at the other way around, um, if you have execution without engagement, to me, that's possible, but doomed. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's not going, it's not sustainable or it's unethical. You know, if you think about, um, let's take an extreme example, a, a sweatshop you know, that, that, that probably you could call that execution without engagement. And that wouldn't work in our economy. And yeah, you, you might also have ethical issues with that as well. <laughs> I think there's a couple of interesting equations there. And maybe coming back to my intro, that engagement without execution, that's where this happy clappy moniker comes from, right? Because yeah. it's somehow detached from hard business deliverables, right? Yeah. And, and that's where the problem is. It, on, on its own, it's not a happy, clappy thing. Or rather, on its own, it is a happy, clappy thing. It needs to be attached to some purpose. It needs to be attached to some outcome, right? So when you're helping businesses go forward, yes, we want engagement to deliver a strategy. But from my understanding, you're keen on talking about the framework that goes around that, right, to support the delivery of that strategy and what does that look like in in your your mind yeah so really good point and you know make no mistake we are focused on business outcomes yeah as a as a supplier we are really interested in helping the organization achieve the outcomes that it wants to but our angle like like yours i'm sure is that's great. You need people need to know what they need, what's expected of them. They need to know what to work on, but you can't do that sustainably unless you give people the sort of satisfaction, the purpose, and um, ultimately get that engagement from the employee. So it's they go together. If you want your business outcomes, you have to find a good way to motivate and engage your workforce. So. You know, going back to your example of the young person in in the uh, in the seminar or the training course, I mean, I find that absolutely fascinating. I'd love to talk more about that. Actually. Yeah, let's, well, let's do it. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I think the answer to them is if you think you can get business outcomes without concerning yourself with people's state of mind, their sense of purpose, and you know, let's use um, Daniel Pink's hmm. model, you know, autonomy mastery and purpose <laughs> yeah um then good luck you know it's not going to happen for very long it's not going to work and i think it actually is doesn't surprise me where when i thought about this you know I, th- I thought well actually maybe it's that's a common situation for a young person because actually they haven't had maybe as much of that kind of life experience that gives you a better understanding of what makes people tick and I don't know, I'm thinking very stereotypically now, but let's imagine a trader 
in a foreign exchange at uh, Goldman Sachs, my former employer. Okay, go. Okay. And yeah, I think I could imagine a few people there who um, just want results and they don't really want to kind of go into that area of, of thought, which thinks about people's emotions and motivations, you know, beyond the money. Yeah. So I wonder if it's something actually that may improve with age in some cases. It's a really interesting point, isn't it? I mean, I think from my perspective, look, judging by the energy that I had in the room and their kind of their social demeanor, I was a bit surprised that someone, and maybe I'm reading too much into it, but someone seemed to be sitting there present but not engaged and thinking, oh, dear, here we go more kind of ethereal rubbish. Let's just get on with doing stuff, mm. right? And I was, as a 50-year-old male, sitting there going, well, I'm surprised. I thought these guys would be all about personal impact and well-being and camaraderie and all those kind of good things. And maybe I shouldn't be shocked that someone had kind of taken what I would consider a more old-school view of how to get the best out of people, you know, from from a from a contextual perspective. And I've never been a banker. I mean, you know, let's be honest, my math skills probably don't hold up to being <laughs> on that trading floor. But maybe their motivations at that point in their lives are extremely narrow, right? Personal success to them means money in the bank, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. It's a it's a sweeping mm -hmm. statement. And I don't know how much teamwork is there or required but it just doesn't feel like a sustainable approach mm. to me i mean how much burnout is there in trading huge how, amount yeah i mean how many people i mean I, look I, i've worked with great consultancies on the client side before and bless them these guys who came in to do big projects they were on these projects for maybe 10 12 weeks and then they were sent to a dark room for four weeks to recover <laughs> you know that yeah. Not many of them are still doing those kind of jobs now. They, they're, it's not Absolutely. a sustainable thing, right? So I don't know. I don't even know where I'm going with this. I just, I, I think, I don't think you can have one without the other. I think, come back to your equations you talked about before, engagement without uh, strategy and strategy without, or, or execution without engagement. I just think they're bedfellows, right? Yeah. And and maybe you're right. Maybe it, with age, you come to appreciate that. But I've worked with plenty of older people who, yeah, they don't they don't get the engagement. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. I think it's a it's a really it's a really good question, and I think it deserves scrutiny because with this with this world and where we do face criticism and skepticism, we've got to be ready to answer all of these questions, haven't we? In order to convince people, and I think you know if we take the the trader example. Or let's say a partner in a law firm. Okay, uh, I've done a lot of work with with law firms, and we ha have come across situations where someone will say, "Right, we want to bring appraised in. We want to change the culture. We want to, um, we've you know we've got a churn at a certain point, and we want to. We've got these competencies, and we want everyone to think about these. We've got these values, and mm -hmm. so on." Mm -hmm. And it'll turn out sometimes that actually we'll, we'll be asking people to do performance reviews or check-ins about values that actually don't really, really matter Yeah. in some cases. 
And people know that actually, if you are the lawyer who brings in a million pounds worth of revenue, you're fine. It doesn't matter um, <laughs> what you do regarding the values. And that's okay, provided that person is not also meant to be a manager who's nurturing people, who's bringing up the next uh, kind of stratas of, 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 of new associates and, and future partners and things like that. You know, that's fine. Let them go and get on with that in the corner. But, you know, isolate them. This is pushing my buttons, Roly. This is pushing my <laughs> buttons. Because to me, that's a fundamental flaw in the values. Right. If they're yes. not if they're not working hard for that business, if they're not applicable to everybody in them, they're the wrong values. Yeah. And people are just gonna get dis- disengaged with the the whole effort and the intervention. Um, you know. Yeah. I mean chat about the values. Uh, if, it, it doesn't if, really matter. Yeah. If the mighty pound is the be all and end all and getting business however you can get the business in is what we need, then have it as a value. Right. If that's what yes. you're going to encourage, if that's what you're going to espouse, if that's what you're going mm-hmm. to reward, have it. Right. The values don't all have to be lovely, soft, beautiful things. Mm. They can be hard. I mean, we've talked about this on the podcast many times, but mm. you take a look at Netflix's values. They're not yes. they're not pushover stuff. They they are designed for a specific type of person who will enjoy that kind of environment and the business will get great stuff out of them. There's Absolutely. no point doing what you think you should do on a corporate set of values and then that having nothing to do with what you want from an output perspective. Yeah. So I do absolutely right. So I, I do think it's it's good to cast a critical eye over those values and and you know there are great opportunities to to do things you know to be more honest and open and original um, as Netflix have been. So yeah, sometimes what we what we do with our clients is come and say, are these really important? Or perhaps they're important for these people, but not for them. Yeah. And what we're starting to see a lot more of is more personalization of the yeah. approach to performance management and engagement around the world in different um, different uh, business units in different regions, all for the same organisation. But you know, yeah. their approach might be slightly different. Their needs might be slightly different, and that's okay. And consistency is not always the ultimate goal actually I think that's sensible is, yeah yeah i think that's really sensible because if it's not relevant right if it's not grounded in what the business really wants to do and needs to do and isn't relevant to the individuals then you will know better than most roly it's never going to happen it just mm-hmm. isn't going to happen so whether it's regionalization or personalization or whatever as long as it's relevant i think that's absolutely yeah. the key and that sounds to me like the sort of questioning challenging framework that you're putting behind your stuff right in in trying to align yep. these things in your interactions with clients right now I, i'm i'm sorry to use the sort of p word but what's been changing in the landscape with the pandemic i mean things have changed we can't we can't yep. ignore it but to your point it's not the same everywhere but w- what are you seeing in general well obviously we've spent the first year of the pandemic, quickly learning to deal with remote working. Mm-hmm. So from my point of view, that means how do managers get the best from their employees and vice versa whilst working remotely, which is a fascinating challenge. And um, actually, technology has been a, you know, an incredible enabler for this as well. It's not the only thing that's needed. So this has been a massive challenge, of course. and. Um, managers have had to learn 
new ways of trusting people and new ways of getting their kind of the signals that they need. And they've had to become more adept at picking up on other new signals from people that they can't just see, you know, in, in the other side of the room every day. So that's been, that's been a really interesting, we can certainly talk more about that. But now we're on a bit and hopefully coming to the close of the most kind of punitive restrictions. Now it's becoming a differentiator for organizations in how well you can thrive in this new world. So can you use this to your competitive advantage? How do we take this new environment that we're in and really thrive in it, not just survive? So it's been a very interesting couple of years for management. One of the things that we've We've st- do, we're doing a lot more with our clients is trying to integrate data into performance management process because what you really want is a manager who can be totally objective about your your performance and if they're able to do that then they're able to act much more like a coach yeah and say look here it is on the table let's take a look can you reflect on that what do you think where would you like to be where do I think you could get to by the way, these are the expectations we typically have, and how how would you like to take this forward? So, we've been using technology to pull data into our system, for example. So, you can have a, you can do a check in with someone in your sales team, and you can see all of their sales figures that come in from their CRM system. You could do a uh, six month review with your head of technology and see the uh, a dashboard from Power BI of all the um, work items that have been completed or the uptime or whatever it is, whatever the KPIs are. So being able to kind of pull the data into one place, into appraised, do your check-ins, it's all there, makes those conversations much more productive and much more objective, which um, I think has you know, been fantastic to be able to do that. Um, so you know, what's, what's caused that has been the pandemic plus a lot of new um, you know, just doing data integration is much easier these days, which is great. And so, yeah, that means that those managers can now take much more of a, a coaching approach to to management, which I think has been, you know, is, is a positive for everyone. Absolutely. And comes back to that personalization, I think, that you were talking to before. Just in the areas of getting the right signals, I mean, what you've just kind of outlined there mm. is obviously using data and technology and your platform to, to, to do more of that. And does that platform bring in... I guess I hate to use the term softer. Let's use human um, elements. So like mm-hmm. behavioral stuff, like alignment to the values. So when you are coaching, you've got the, the I guess, the tangible data yeah. and, the, and the behavioral data. Does that all come together? Is that uh, assisting those managers, leaders to have that sort of coaching conversation? Absolutely. So, so for me, performance management is a good performance management system combines the kind of the little and often. So this is little bits of feedback, praise, recognition, updates on your objectives, comments from colleagues, all that kind of stuff that just happens all the time. Combines that with the longer term, more reflective stuff. Mm -hmm. And this is why I think probably the death of the annual performance review has (laughs) been overstated because I think, you know, it just won't go away because well, some people actually like to reflect over things over the last 12 months and they like to set their New Year's resolutions uh, in life 
and at work as well. So, so for me, a good performance management system combines this kind of little and often with the longer term reflection as well. And yeah, so that's, that's obviously how we designed our system. So you get a combination of the data and the, the kind of more human interaction uh, and feedback and narrative from your colleagues that you kind of gather over the year. I think you always want that balance, right? It's particularly on yeah. performance. You need that in the moment stuff, especially if you're coaching. It's easier, isn't it, in the moment to recognize on both sides of the coin the thing that's just happened, right? Yeah. Picking it up in the moment. If you pick it up, you know that thing you did seven weeks ago? No, I don't remember that thing I did seven weeks ago. Oh, right. yeah. well, well, the thing you don't remember, don't do it again. Um, or perhaps try something different. That's not a good conversation. So I'm I'm all in favor of this combination. And I think you're right about overstating things like the death of the the annual review. I mean, not mm. just least because actually some people look forward to that. They yeah, like to they have do. absolutely. They like to have an end of accounts effectively of their own <laughs> performance, right? Yeah. Okay. So so let's have a look at it. Let's take a look back. But also, it's akin to the the annual engagement survey. I mean, mm. those both those things used poorly are pointless, right? If both yep. are just a box ticking exercise and nothing happens, don't bother doing it because it's not helping anybody. But if it's used properly and it helps inform other stuff, it can act as a really good benchmark for future performance and what's needed and where the gaps to be closed are and where the great things to be mm. heralded come from, you know? So I'm, yep. I'm 100% within that. But we're seeing here kind of agreeing on stuff, and we've still got a problem. <laughs> we've still got a problem with trying to get a universal link between engagement and strategy execution through through people. So why? What what do you think it is that, I don't know whether it's CEOs or leaders or, or whoever, what are they scared of when it comes to this? And maybe it's not a link linking the two, but maybe there's an engagement I don't know. Maybe there's something that's worrying them. What, yeah. what, what do you think it is? Because you must have conversations with guys who are ready for this stuff, but guys who need some convincing. Yes, I think that, that's absolutely right. I, I, I suspect that there's a feeling in some leaders that they, they don't really want to go there. They would just rather think, look, I need X things produced I need to make X sales. That that is equivalent to three and a half sales people. Why can't I just pay them and they'll get on with it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, they look at the spreadsheet and think, okay, well, this is the quantity needed out of output. <laughs> yeah. Each person makes roughly X, you know, whatever's. Go get them. Yeah. And they, I think they think, oh, maybe, maybe we just don't worry about this. And I, I okay, I'll, I'll accept a certain amount of lack of productivity or wastage or whatever, you know, and it's just a numbers thing. Um, because the engagement side is they, 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 they're a bit afraid of it being, you know, it's harder to grasp. It's harder to make it as tangible and requires quite a lot of empathy and human brain, you know, thought. I think you've hit the nail on the head. I think it's a combination of all of those things. Mm. There's, I think, well, I get the impression there's a sort of sense of overwhelm with it because mm. you talk about the tangible stuff before. Well, that's rational, right? I can see that. I can count those on my plan, on my spreadsheet, yep. on my sales numbers. 
the minute you start, I mean, you mentioned Dan Pink, the minute you mentioned things like autonomy, oh, hang on. If I give everybody autonomy to do what they want to do, well, that's just going to bring chaos. How do I, how do I control that? And we come back to that thing right back at the beginning about the definition, perhaps one being controlling and one being liberating, right? Mm. And maybe there's something in that. Well, the minute you start talking about personal approach to stuff like you're trying to espouse with the way that appraised is working, well, that means if I've got 100 employees, I've got 100 different personalities to manage, oh, my God, that's, yeah. that's impossible. I'm never going to do that. Right, one rule will fit all, and I can manage that. I mean, maybe there's something in that. I don't know. Mm. That's what it feels like to me. I wonder if people feel like, some people feel like it could be a one-way costly street. And and perhaps they've also heard wrongly that engagement is all about perks and yeah. time off and, and stuff like that, you know, and that it's it's just, it's something, it's a, it's a new expense that they have to I can't afford the bean bags and the free beer on Fridays, yeah. right? That's that's, but that's just the crappy end of enga- engagement, right? That's it, yeah, nothing entirely. to do with it, frankly. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, there's a, another kind of very cynical thought. Perhaps you might be able to put my mind to rest. But <laughs> is that maybe they're worried that they're going to lose their as an employer, they're going to lose their is it grip? I don't know. A sort of grip you have on the people who work for you. You know, there's an expectation they're going to come come in and do their job, obviously that you've asked them to do, and they they, they get they enjoy doing that, and and so on. And that you might end up. They they might be worried that they might end up in a situation where people say, "Well, if I underperform, it's your fault because you're, I'm not engaged." And engagement is a thing that the company has to fix. And uh, so I'm just going to wait until you give me sufficient uh, engagement. I think this is, this is really interesting, right? And I think this is probably where your, your perspective and the tool platform, forgive me for using the incorrect phrase on all that sort of stuff, that you're trying to help businesses get to grips with, right? Mm-hmm. it's all about outcome focused right engagement is an outcome and i think too yep. many people think of it as a thing as opposed to an outcome right i don't think you manage engagement you get engagement from the activities strategies that you put in place it's things that you do it's the way you make people feel it's the support that you give people you know what do they need to understand their place in it and the contribution that they make. How do you make them feel like they matter? Hmm. Right. Even when you come back to the trading floor that we talked about earlier, how do you make that trader feel like they matter? And actually, money might yep. well be the motivator, may well be the thing, right? Fine. Mm-hmm. Use that then <laughs> if that is the thing to get engagement. Yep. For others, it might be more involvement. It might be being listened to. It might be the the people that they're working with or the projects that they're working on or the way that they're allowed to do their job. You know, it, it could be a whole different matter. But you're not measuring those things. You're measuring the output that you get as a result of those those things. And is is that the kind of link you're trying to get to within your platform? That the hard data, the human stuff, 
Therefore, you do have an outcome focus and actually engagement becomes part of that outcome focus, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So the, the, the system, the platform, it's all about trying to make that link clearer and a, a, a practical, tangible thing that you should work on and you know, will get you the results that you want. So we're trying to yeah, make it less of a, to use the phrase of your uh, participant, happy clappy <laughs> um, thing. And, you know, try and show through the system every day the value of concerning yourself with employee engagement. And I don't want to put words in your mouth, but do you think that for those guys who want to do this but struggle with the, the concept of joining the team, you're providing some form of comfort blanket in the form of a structure in the form of some sort of handrails guide rails tram lines whatever you want to call them that that gives them the, almost the certainty of a process but comfort that there's some tangibility to this and I'm measuring outcomes yeah. absolutely that's exactly it it is it's a set of guide rails that you can roll out to all of your managers and employees and you then have confidence so well the picture i always like to think of is you're the ceo you're in the company's big um i don't know uh, canteen you've got a thousand people all around you or the summer party or whatever let's say mm. if you're the if you're the ceo and you talk constantly about the company's strategy in fact you've just spent three months signing it off with the board and the shareholders, you want to know that every single person in that room is helping to execute it. And they're not going off and doing other things in the wrong direction. Sure. They're enjoying their work. They're, they're engaged. That They are getting the, the most from their manager as well. And so to that CEO, it gives them, having a system like appraisal or these guardrails gives them kind of huge confidence that those managers who... Um, have maybe just sort of uh, managed by the seat of their pants before are actually kind of considering uh, uh, kind of might be shifting their management style towards something that you think is right for your business and for your talent pool. It gives you confidence that those managers who maybe, maybe they're new managers, they have imposter syndrome, perhaps, that they've got something to hold on to and that they're Though the people they manage are not going to leave or be disgruntled because they have a manager that doesn't know what they're doing. Um, so a framework like this gives you an in, enormous confidence that the stuff that you talk about, that, that you hope for, is actually happening and um, is available to all of your employees and all of your managers all the time. And, and, you know, being online, of course, and a system, you can, you can prove it. You can check. You can go and have a look at the data as well. Brilliant. I've written four words down as you were sort of saying that sort of stuff. I've got communication, involvement, consistency, and personalization. Almost mm -hmm. like the four keys to the, to the kingdom yeah. there of aligning your strategy execution with the engagement of people, right? Yeah. Perfect. We have scratched the surface of talking about engagement and strategy execution, although I think we have 
a common understanding about where the link is and the purpose behind that link. If it's not coming from the right place and people at the top haven't got the belief that actually what we're doing is correct and let's make sure everybody understands their place in it, um, that, that you, you need both things. But if you were to help my audience at the point in the show we call sticky notes, Roly, right? So this is where we try mm-hmm. and summarize all of your great wisdom and insight <laughs> onto three post-it notes. Not that I've got a fixation with post-it notes based on the intro, but let's let's do that. That you can fit on a post-it note and would mean that people will have a chance to take it back home and go, you know what, that's that's how I'm going to get closer to melding engagement and strategy execution. What three pieces of advice would you give the listeners, my friend? Okay. Well, I'm going to target these at the typical talent or HR practitioner, somebody who's concerned with these things, perhaps whose job it is or who's the, who has been inspired to lead an initiative within mm. their organization or perhaps seen an issue and they know that this is the, the key to unlocking a fresher, more engaged culture. So I'm going to target at them. So first of all, and I'm also I've been inspired by a book called Inspired, which is about product management. Okay, which great. I highly recommend actually. So my first one is you've got to think of this as an ongoing project that you are you need to be prepared to put in a lot of energy over a long period. And there's no substitute for sheer volume of energy, in my view, on anything like this. The second one. And this has come straight from the product management textbook, which is to fall in love with the problem, not the solution. Mm. Okay, so really be clear on what the problem is. The problem is business outcomes, delivery on strategy and increasing engagement. It's not necessarily the initiative you heard about recently or something that you've really got your heart set on. But if you put yourself into a kind of product manager's mindset, um, even if you're in HR, let's say, you will think constantly about this problem and the measuring your um, the effects of your initiatives and being prepared to kind of throw away something that's not working and start again. You may have to do that. And again, this is where kind of having lots of energy helps enormously. And then my third sticky note is keep it agile. So that means get feedback, iterate, be prepared to change tack. Um, you might have to change quite a few things you might have to hear some unpleasant feedback you might have to iterate quite a lot but that is all part of the 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 method in getting to a really kind of fantastic and sustainable solution brilliant i love those all three of those have got energy running through them so they're fantastic we will stick (laughs) those on the instagram feed on the little post-it notes there and share them with the world so thank you for those roly before i let you go what's next for appraised what's What's the thing that's keeping you awake at night right now? <laughs> um, I think the two things that I'm thinking about at the moment are, I mentioned them earlier, but bringing more and more data into mm. performance management. So helping, helping managers be more objective. The other thing is helping organizations move their attitude to performance management to this more kind of grow-based coaching model as opposed to um, just the kind of the old school top down. Here's an assessment of of how you're doing. So those are the two the two things on my list, I guess. Well, amen to both of those, and good luck with them. I hope you get to take this kind of message and the tool uh, to as many people as possible, and that it really, really helps meld 
Thank you. These, these two things, which are definitely bedfellows, right? Engagement of your employees and flawless execution of a good strategy. Great stuff. That's right. Rody, thank you so much for your time today. I know you're incredibly busy, so I really appreciate you taking <laughs> some time out to have a chat. And no uh, I wish you the very, very best for the future, my friend. Thank you very much indeed. It's great to be on, on your wonderful show. <laughs> well, thank you very much, my friend. Thank you. Okay, guys, that was Rowley Water. And if you'd like to find out a bit more about him, appraised, and any of the topics that we've talked about today, please check out the show notes. So that concludes today's episode. I hope you've enjoyed it, found it interesting, and heard something maybe that will help you become a stickier, more successful business from the inside going forward. If you have, please like, comment and subscribe. It really helps. I'm Andy Gorham and you've been listening to the Sticky from the Inside podcast. Until next time, thanks for listening.